This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. In this episode of React Podcast, Rick Casey shares what he's learned about building, managing, and funding an open source project with a massive user base, over 8 million users to be more specific. The app is Destiny Item Manager, a companion to Bungie's wildly popular looter shooter, Destiny, which I've mentioned more than a couple times on this show. If you play Destiny, you've surely used this app or seen it on stream. But even if you're not a gamer, you'll learn a lot about what it takes to manage and succeed with open source at this scale. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of this episode where we'll tell you how to get a free ticket to this year's React Summit. This episode is sponsored by AWS Amplify and Infinite Red. AWS Amplify is the fastest, easiest way to develop web and mobile apps that scale. I bet that you're already using at least one AWS service to support customers today. So you're already familiar with the seemingly limitless offerings of AWS. But if you're like me, you're not always enticed by raw capability. You're looking for something that is tailor-made for the job at hand. Well, AWS has a collection of services and tools specifically curated for full-stack web and mobile app development. It's called AWS Amplify. AWS Amplify is all the power and scale of AWS tailored to the specific needs of cloud-based web and mobile products. Use it to spin up hosting, storage, authentication, manage GraphQL or REST APIs, serverless functions, and so much more. You can start using AWS Amplify for free. There's a generous free tier, and you only pay for additional services that you use as your app scales. It's great. Visit awsamplify.info slash react to find a quick tutorial for React developers like us. That's awsamplify.info slash react. Working with Infinite Red gives you access to developers who know React and React Native inside and out. It's a superpower. It means you spend more time delighting customers with robust quality software and less time trying to divine the direction of the evasive concurrent mode and suspense APIs and how they may or may not affect your code long term. Infinite Red have been designing, building, and shipping quality apps for 10 years, and they make their expertise and industry connections available to you. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. Rick Casey, welcome to React Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) So I am super excited to have you on. And um, honestly, so my son doesn't give a crap about React Podcast. He's 10 and uh, he he has no idea what the show's about or why anyone should ever care about like a programming language or whatever. But I told him to I told him yesterday, I was like, dude, you're not going to believe who I'm uh, I'm talking with. I'm talking with the guy who made Dim. And he was like, what? I'm going to have to listen. It's that's so awesome. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> so it's like a totally, um, this will be a kind of like a fun experience for me, but for our audience, who's like maybe more accustomed to like just strictly kind of like programming or technology or like whatever, uh, I was hoping that you could give us a high level overview of like what 
dim is and like what value that it sure. provides to um, the destiny game playing community yeah dim's a it's a, a web app that uh, interfaces with an API provided by Bungie who makes a video game called destiny and destiny's a shooter you uh, explore the world taking on you know bosses to collect loot and you uh, you want to equip that loot, you want to move that loot between characters, um, but then you also want to understand how good that loot that you've earned is. Yeah. And so, so Dim fills that space by allowing you to create loadouts, which are like collections of loot to, you know, for specific activities and to understand the quality of it. Um, and to actually, you can leave notes about it to share with other people in the community to let them know uh, whether like, this is very desirable, this particular role is desirable. Um, I, you know, th th but just to kind of sum it all up, to, it's just we try to make the player more productive with their time playing Destiny. You know, we all come in, end of our work days, kids are put to bed, and I got like an hour, maybe two, to play video games. And I don't want to spend time picking out what to wear or finding a gun that's on another <laughs> character and changing characters because all that would take about 15 minutes you know we could do it in 30 seconds with drag and drop on a computer or just on a on a phone right so we're going to get you in the game playing and we're going to keep you in the game until it's time to go to bed you know and so that's <laughs> what it is that's what like we're a player productivity device i love that i love that you know it's so funny because i so i am not I've never really played video games a lot. Um, I, my Growing up, my brother w just would destroy me on all video games. And so I kind of gave up. I was like, I'm, I'm, video games are not my thing, obviously. Um, but then when this quarantine hit, I think like a lot of people, I was like, you know what? I need some kind of like level of interaction with somebody. Like I can't go out and like actually like spend some time with people. I'm like, what can we do? And you know, Destiny felt like a natural fit because it's you know it's online, it's collaborative. You can kind of go and have that experience where you're just like you know, you know, battling a boss with your friends and whatnot. And um, but it's immediately you feel that need of kind of having to manage gear like once you have more than like nine pieces of anything it's like now it's a huge hassle to do anything and i just remember watching on stream like uh, you know i would watch videos of people and like it just seems like everybody was using dim to kind of like manage their gear so i'm curious like tell me about the inspiration and like the original phase of you know destiny item manager and kind of how you had the like audacity to start like building this uh this thing to help people in in, in their in-game experience yeah so you know i i play with a, a a clan of players we have about 100 friends who all uh meet up to play games and we've been playing a game we've been playing together for about 15 years you know so long tenure of friendship and we'd say okay hey nine o'clock let's get together we need six of us to do a particular raid vault of glass um, and this is early in Destiny's career. So what inevitably would happen is people would show up 9.05 and say, oh, I got to find some stuff. And then they would have to <laughs> put all their loot in the character in the vault, change characters, grab all that stuff, you know. And that workflow would take 10, 15 minutes for just one character. And so we would not get started until 9.15, 9.20 <laughs> and, and raids are serious business. These are these are long yeah. events that take skill, and and you you it can be hours. Yeah. Um, and so we don't have that much time. And so we, you know we felt that pain, that that 
that startup cost of getting a large group together for a difficult activity. So um, about March, Bungie released an API and their, their credit, they, they have, Bungie has done some really great things to enable third party uh, developers to create experiences for players. Yeah. Uh, and Destiny is so far, I mean, you know, they've, they've taken it through every generation of every game and made it better and better, but Destiny is the best now that we've ever had it. And so they released the first version of their API and a, a developer named uh, Utrol, Kyle, um, he created the very first version of Destiny Item Manager and released it open source um, without license <laughs> uh, on GitHub. Uh, and then the, the day I saw it on Reddit, like the day he released it, I reached out to him and said, hey, I want to work with you on this. Very much so. This is something that I've been looking forward to. You've cracked the nut and figured it out. <laughs> let's let's make something beautiful. And so he's like, yeah, let's do it. So that started the process. Um, and so that's 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 where we got uh, between Kyle's inception, uh, my interest in creating uh, something that would encourage people to contribute. Yeah, you know, because he did a POC that was just spaghetti code. You know, he was just sure, sure. He had four nights to make this and get it out and be the first. <laughs> you know, this was his own personal raid, and he did it. You know, and then I jumped in and said, "Let me help make this something so that we could federate development, get people inside, you know, working with us, um, and you know, start building this contribution model with with GitHub." Um, yeah, and that, that that's five years ago. Wow. You know? So now five years ago, so this was in like the Destiny One time? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. okay. Wild. So the game's actually changed quite a bit since yes. since then. Is there still support in DIM for Destiny One or is it all yes. kind of like Destiny Two at this point? There is. There is. In fact, DIM supports Destiny One and Destiny Two. Wow. Yeah. So the, if you if you have your Destiny One characters um, added to your Bungie.net profile, we see that and we bring it up in the UI. So it's one of your options in the lower right hand corner, or lower left hand corner of the menu. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So but every now and then I open it up and look back at my old gear and think <laughs> about all the fun I had collecting it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Nostalgia for is beautiful. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I, I feel like that's probably like a really uh, good way to experience that as opposed to like trying to like find an old Xbox or whatever and like load up the game, you know, just kind of like seeing that it's still that's there kind need. of like tucked away. That's all you need. <laughs> the, the, the memories are better than ever going back into the game I find. Yeah. You know, yeah. just I, I, I like, you know, the I, I can remember a couple of Crucible games that were just amazing and a couple of raids that were amazing. And then, you know, like the, the endless hours of patrolling with friends in the early game, just collecting mats and chatting about life, right? The game was just sitting on a bar stool for me, you know? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I want to talk about all of the the community stuff. But before that, I'd, I'd like to just kind of dive into kind of the evolution of the, the actual product itself. Mm -hmm. um, so you have Destiny Item Manager. Did you, did you suspect that it would blow up to the degree that it has? Or do you think that, did you think it was just kind of like a, a niche thing that you'd be able to enjoy, you know, with your friends and like a handful of people that you, you know, well, um, or like, did you always suspect that this is something that the community at large needed? I think people needed it. Uh, I didn't, I, you know, I mean, being first helps. Um, we didn't have vision towards, you know, like it would be 
you know, significant as it is, um, you know, we would trend as well as Destiny would trend. Um, and, you know, Destiny's done very well. Um, and so that helps us grow. Uh, but we are, we depend on streamers and word of mouth to yeah. kind of get our name out. You know, Bungie does put us in uh, their uh, This Week at Bungie. A new, they have like a newsletter that oh, goes cool. out every Thursday. So every mm-hmm. now and then they'll have like a community focus or some special event. And then, you know, we could be highlighted there. We're also, um, when you do, this is really new, very recently. Uh, if you sign up for a profile on Bungie.net, they have a third party developer section at, at, at like the mid page. So after you get down over the fold, um, and it talks about DIM and other third-party apps to let new players know that they can have this additional experience uh, beyond the game. Yeah. So they, you know, we've been getting some support, but it's been interesting. Like every now and then, I open up analytics and I see, you know, the history of the app, and it starts off real tiny. And, you know, you can see the <laughs> the sine curve of growth. And we are ever since uh, last year, uh, business is good. We are, we are, yeah. for some reason, everybody knows about us now and <laughs> everybody likes using our app and it makes us really excited. We're very happy to be able to provide something that's of value. Uh, and we, you know, we, we take that, you know, um, we carry that with importance. You know, we, we try to make sure that we stay up, uh, no interruptions, consistent service, <laughs> you know, and, and it's a free app. We do it for fun. You know, like this is our yeah, hobby. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't treat it like work. <laughs> But we do give it the respect it deserves because we know people depend on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to talk about the, the you'd mentioned that community is super important to you and that that was really your original vision for for jumping into the project. It's like, how can we start to develop a community around this, get people to um, contribute and um, even, you know, pay them a little bit for their their efforts. Uh, so. Tell me about what that's looked like over the last, you know, five years of developing Destiny Item Manager. So, like, in the very beginning, it was a PayPal account. Uh, and people would contribute to that account. It was just a little button on the page. <clears throat> and um, there was two developers, myself and Kyle. Um, and we carried that for a long time. There'd be occasional contributions in the beginning, but for, like, the first year and a half, it was really just myself and Kyle working together. Um, I was doing, by far and by large, most of the maintenance and upkeep. Every time there was an update, I'd have to make some changes to kind of keep track with Bungie. You know, we don't get any foresight in anything. Sure. <laughs> we, we, we experience the game just like anybody else, and then we have to react, you know, quickly to make sure that we are back up within a few hours after the update. Um, but it was a pretty manual experience. There were some technology barriers to, 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 that prevented us from doing a lot of automation. Uh, and I kept that up for about, I want to say, two years in total. Um, and then I was starting to feel a, a significant amount of burnout, like pretty significant, between yeah. playing the game, being a dad, <laughs> doing you know well at work, and then trying to run dim. I, you know, I was I was very fatigued. Well, because you've 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 created a new job for yourself, right? I like did. You, I did. You know, you had the ga- you only had a limited amount of game time as a, a as a dad and worker, and like now you got to divide that between uh, actually making dim for everybody. That's right. No, it, it was it was significant, <laughs> and so another developer joined uh, joined up around that time. His name is Ben, um, 
and he kind of took the the mantle as the lead developer and carried forward our angular based code at the time we, we developed an angular js uh, back in 2015 um and you know over the next year you know understood what was being done kind of developed an environment and then we began a transition from AngularJS to React, um, in part because uh, we needed to modernize, we wanted to tap into a lot of new features, we wanted to uh, work in a language that would, uh, I mean, work on a framework that would bring um, uh, folks to the platform to want to help code, uh, and React was perfect for that. Um, and it's been very successful for us in terms of attracting talent. Um, I would, uh, so, so now that I'm not writing as much code, I'm spending more time looking at Reddit, looking at other environments, finding people who are making stuff, and I invite them to our Slack and where we build community of um, app developers. Hmm. And that's been very great for us, sharing information, being cordial to each other, uh, developing this cooperative uh, relationship that's also very competitive. <laughs> you know, we sure. love building the great thing, uh, and we help each other to build those great things. Um, and and it's just, it's great to see that that kind of for, you know the, the fraternity of developers, the the, the camaraderie um, uh, present. Uh, that's been really good. Uh, and so we've ended up now with um, three maintainers: uh, Kyle, myself, and uh, Ben. Uh, we have probably five consistent contributors. Um, so a team of eight. And then we have about 12 to 15 translators who contribute hmm. to the platform to make sure that, you know, when they interact with them, they interact with their native language. Uh, so that way we always feel like we're, we're home for them. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, um, how, uh, how many languages, um, does DIM exist in now? I want to say 13. I could be wrong. Oh, wow. Ish. Amazing. You know, we match whatever destiny offers. So whatever destiny is localized in, we match that localization. And so we take, uh, you know, we, we take all the contributions received from the community. We currently, we, we migrated from PayPal to Open Collective. Open Collective is a, an open source focused um, uh, payment platform where people can contribute to those, uh, those programs. It's great for us because it's super transparent. You see where all the contributions sure. come from and where they all go. Anybody yeah. can create an expense against it. It has to be approved by a maintainer. Um, so there's no questions about where things are and where they're going. Um, you know, we have invoices, you know, what's really nice about open collective is they issue 1099s. They handle tax obligations oh, wow. for us. Cool. It's not double tax because I'm not receiving it and then paying it out. Um, sure. you know, there's, there's significant benefits that you don't have to think about, you know, like in terms of tax obligations, right? Most people don't consider that when they receive their PayPal Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, uh, we, we care about that stuff. Um, and so when we, 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 you know, want to pay out uh, to the developers and translators, you know, we, we, we keep that in mind and let them know that, you know, the, these these are some of the obligations you have. Many of them are international, so it changes the game a little bit. Um, sure. But it's been pretty good. It's been, we, we've, we've enjoyed the platform Open Collective. It's a little bit tough for people. Most people are used to Patreon or PayPal or something yeah. like that. And so when they want to support DIM, they don't see the name brands that they're used to. Interesting. And so they, I think that's like a friction in terms of um, wanting to support us. Like they don't understand that Open Collective is our payment portal. 
Right. Like, like they're used to seeing like PayPal and that triggering something of like, oh, hey, like they're looking for funds. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and so I can jump in there. But like, if you're not familiar with the brand, it's kind of like, exactly. Oh, okay. Just another badge on this website. And we're not heavy handed with it at all. I mean, we're not out yeah. there with our tin cup, you know, shaking it, <laughs> saying, hey, you know, and we don't, we don't put anything behind paywalls. Like, DIM is open. Yeah. Our beta site is open where we do all of our advanced work that's not, you know, in the app yet. You know, nothing is behind paywalls. Uh, you know, we want everyone to have a great experience. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, our server-side API that we provide is relatively inexpensive. It can be covered by our current donation amounts and still has enough left over for everyone to, to um, receive a contribution. Um, we're not replacing day jobs. You know, the way I like to put it is DIM is going to buy everybody a really nice meal, one, you know, <laughs> once in a while. That, that's kind of what it does, you know. Good <laughs> bottle of wine, good meal, and, you know, take your significant nice. other out on DIM. Nice. Well, there's so many ways that we could kind of, like, go through this because there's the, you know, the React side of thing, like, you know, your, your transition to React um, and kind of how that's been attractive to people. Um, also, just kind of the, the kind of how funds work. Um, and the actual like you know building of the product, and I'd love to as much as we can like cover cover all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was really excited to see is is that, as you mentioned, you know this is a very like modern code base, so it's using you know React. I, I believe it's using TypeScript. Yep. You know it's using that API. Um, so it's really demonstrating like how you can do authorization, localization. And or sorry, authentication, localization, and um, you're deployed to AWS, right? No, uh, we use um, a droplet. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so we don't we don't go to AWS with ours. Yeah, well, it's it, it's interesting, and I, I've been pointing a lot of people to this project because there are not a lot of projects that exist like this that are like projects that are used by like millions of people. Mm-hmm. And um, are open source. You know, you see, you know, usually you get to like a point where like these things are kind of the really interesting React projects are closed source. Yeah. Um, and this is fun because like you go through this and you're like, well, this is a lot of React developers have a hard time knowing how to take that next step yeah. going from like just the front end to like a full blown application um, that connects to a back end, does the authentication and is, you know, deployed to a robust, you know, server somewhere mm-hmm. um and you've you've really made that and having it open source is such a i think gift to the react community um what are some of the most exciting parts of the actual code base for you now that it's kind of transitioned into react and um you know typescript and all that i, I would say t- to be frank i i've ever since ben came on i've largely divorced myself from the core code base the react yeah. Framework is his, and he's developed it along with you know other developers like 48 Klog, Stuffy, Nev. They've worked on that code base. Uh, the things that I'm most interested in that they've done though is um, some of the UI work around our responsive features, so that the desktop app and the mobile app have unique capabilities. It's not just responsive features. You know, it's using React yeah. with media query hooks to understand what components to render at what, you know, resolutions. Using share sheets or just sheets in general. Uh, we make our own action sheets. Um, so we're pouring a lot of our own effort currently into making DIM uh, first-class experience on mobile and not just being mm. uh, the desktop reduced to mobile. All right, so we're, Interesting. We're, we're still the same code base, but 
definitely improving that experience. Yeah. So for right now, you have um, a, a fantastic desktop experience. I believe that you're using like React Beautiful D&D to handle all mm -hmm. the like drag and drop, like equipping stuff. Um, and that actually works really well on mobile. That's how I consume it, like either on my iPad or like on my phone. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing. Um, but the primary distribution for that is as a like, um, was it uh, PWA? Yes. How has that experience been? And you mentioned wanting to go na native. Um, have there been some holdups in kind of like transferring, you know, the PWA to like a native yeah. kind of in the app store experience? We have toyed in the past many times about developing a mobile app because we wanted. So the, the the important part for the mobile experience is, is access to the app stores. I mean, folks have been trained. If you're on a phone, you get software from the app stores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and DIM traditionally has not been in those. In the past year... Uh, Google Play Store and Microsoft Store have made it uh, pretty easy to add PWAs to their app stores. So they build wrappers around the, the, the web interface, hmm. mm -hmm. and then we host them. So APKs are being hosted inside the Play Store, Microsoft with their own container format. But they act just like the web browser, and they take the updates as we push them out with our, you know, the service workers are watching... They take the updates, oh, nice. do the trigger. So we don't actually have to update the stores unless we do something to the APK. The apps just upgrade. But what that has done for us, though, is just, you know, that we're now a part of that search. You type in DIM or yeah. Destiny Item Manager in Google Play, hey, we're there now, you know. Uh, so, it, it, you know, most people are on their couches and not near their PCs, you know. So we, we really needed that um, footprint to, to make DIM more accessible to people. Um, I would say by far, you know, DIM is great for like moving items on mobile. Yeah. Our significant features in terms of our loadout optimizer or comparing the items you have, those do best on tablet or desktop where you have much more screen real estate to, to kind of get into the stats and details. Sure. Uh, from your hand, you know, with, with your uh, phone client, it's really about giving me the thing I need now or making room on my character to get the thing that's in the game. So, you know, we're trying to have, like, stories that, that, that are focused on where you are on the couch with what you have, your phone, uh, versus stories like being at your desk. Or if you're at work and you happen to be looking at DIM on your, you know, break, and you just want to kind of process your stuff and kind of get ready for uh, your playtime when you get home. So that way your characters are good to go. Uh, that's that's what we try to do, um, but yeah. So we don't build native. We uh, we want one code base. We don't have enough time to manage multiple code bases. Um, and our PWA story has been really great for us. Yeah. Uh, I really wish iOS would get on board with PWAs and make it a first class <laughs> yeah. citizen in their app store. Yeah. But you know, it, it's interesting because it really showcases the the value of like what a team can do and like how they can distribute to like different places. Yep. Like when we actually honor the PWA as a as like a first class application, mm -hmm. right? And so like in stores, you're able to just wrap it and then have that be like searchable in these kind of like closed box, like, you know, retailers, the, if we the will. The walled gardens. Yeah, the walled gardens. And, um, but it's also, you know, unlike an app that lives just in the store is accessible like anywhere. Like that's my favorite yeah. thing about like DIM is like, I went to, you know, destinyitemmanager.com. I like logged in with Bungie and I was in, right? Like, it, like, yeah. On all my devices, it was like just super easy. I didn't have to download an app. Like I love PWAs. Um, 
They're the best. Yeah, I mean, um, unless there's like some significant requirement for, you know, sensors on the device or infrastructure like push notifications. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, I don't need it. Like PWAs are great. I mean, th there are some benefits definitely to native experiences in terms of maybe some fluidity sure. or, uh, you know, OS specific capabilities provided by Swift or whatnot. But just, I don't know, man. The, anything that I've been building lately, PWA is a great answer for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I love that you can, you know, it, at least in the Google Play Store, you're able to get those, like, collect those search results, yes. right? And be able to um, kind of get people that same uh, experience, the same product um, in their hands. And I find it interesting, too, that, you know, with these experiences, you are able to actually update the app without updating it in the store. And that feels really critical for something like Destiny Item Manager, where, you know, you might be getting, you know, new features from the API on like, you know, at the weekly reset mm -hmm. or like, you know, with each new season, etc. And it might be kind of prohibitive to like actually, like, I guess, request a new review. Oh, or yeah. Like whatever that process looks like. Yeah, there would be a significant drag in getting releases out for us. So we use CICD from Travis.org. Um, you know, another thing that you can kind of learn and get your hands around when you check out our open source, uh, you know, our, our, our website, um, you know, you can see how we handle CICD and, and take, you know, we have an action that monitors the manifest, which is the database mm. that Bungie provides. And whenever the manifest updates, we know that there are new updates out there. So we, we can trigger a build that has a whole series of events that occurs, you know, because we have libraries that we publish to share TypeScript definitions with other third-party products, you know, some of our, our, our competitors, you know. Sure. We, we make some of our libraries accessible to them because we kind of fill in some of the gaps in the data that are not covered by the, what's provided by Bungie. Um, you know, so that's some of the contributions that we make that we, you know, we provide through NPM. Um, but yeah, so we'll use uh, Travis CICD to, to trigger those builds. And then your next time you load the, the native app container, it updates and you got, you'll get a little indicator in the top left-hand corner that says, time to update DIM, something new is waiting for yeah. you, you know? <laughs> so we use a service worker, you know, for, from our perspective, we cache locally with a service worker. So that way you can start the app, it's very quick, and you're gonna have the last experience ready to go immediately. Um, you know, if our site's ever down, service worker's still going to run because it's all cached locally. And you're just communicating with Bungie's API. Like, you're not going sure. through our servers. Yeah. Your data is private. You know, we don't care about that. Um, and in fact, that's not uncommon to see people fork our site or pull our code and run that site locally on their machines. Uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, we, we see... Uh, examples of DIM running in China. Oh wow! Off of different sites, you know, people are hosting DIM, uh, uh, you know, for for, the, for themselves or for their clan, sure. you know, and that's great. Doesn't bother us. We love it. Uh, we we make it available. You know, the the official one is on you know our our URL, but you're all more than welcome to take our code and download it, run npm or yarn, and start it up, and you 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 you're running DIM locally, you know. It's so cool. It's so cool. 
Now, you'd, you'd mentioned, I think, two things that really caught my interest is one, really thinking about this from a like a product standpoint, just kind of, you know, thinking about the the user stories and kind of like where they're coming from and um, and whatnot. And one of the features that really stands out to me is um, the like the thumbs up on gear. So like as someone who's like brand new to like Destiny, um, it can be really overwhelming. And I'm talking about myself, like it, it's super overwhelming to like have all this gear with all these like perks and like stats that you have no idea what they mean. Um, and having that little like thumbs up is like a really great way to like start. And I'm curious that that's not part of the Destiny API. No. That's something that's kind of like a value add mm -hmm. of Destiny Item Manager. Um, so I'm kind of curious, where do features like that live? You know, things that aren't part of the API. You know, what does that look like technologically for you all? I'm going to go back just a little bit. I was looking on Reddit one day and I saw an app called Destiny Percolator, I think it was called. <laughs> okay. And it was yeah. made by developers, 48K log, 48,000 lines of code. I was like, that's a programmer. I'm going to talk to that guy. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, I really like your, 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 the feature you built. You're telling people what's great. I think, you know, you're, you know that's a, that would be really useful in the community. Why don't you join us and build that feature in a DIM? And I will give you an instant community. And that's the value add that we want to provide to programmers. Yeah. You know, folks that are out there building very useful, unique experiences we would love to have them in dim because we have users you know we have yeah. a million unique users a month <laughs> so wild our session count is 20 million you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah yeah instant community so percolator yeah. i was like this is great we need to bring it in and so we you know 48 ended up joining the team now he's a contributor um uh, we work with uh notables in the community who do weapon reviews uh, Panda Packs, Mercules, uh, for example, they they use DIM and other tools in the community to kind of build this wish list, which has you know a hash for each weapon and then hashes for each of the uh, talent grid items, uh, essentially okay. the perks, sure. and they they build this 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 signature for the best roles, and some of those are thumbs up and thumbs down. You know, we don't do the thumbs down thing anymore. We used to. So now it's just thumbs up if it's good. And if it's a yeah. perfect role, I think it gets a star. Oh, really? Yeah. I've not seen any stars gotta yet. More so I got to keep grinding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we give things a, a perfect role, a star. So generally we keep all the thumbs up stuff. Uh, there are differences between PVE and PVP weapons sometimes, but all that's stored in the notes. Um, but yeah, yeah. So this was just a, a passion project by somebody in the community. We asked them to join us. They brought their code. They integrated it, and you know, seven. I mean, this is just like one version of that you know experience. We've been doing this in some way or form since Destiny One. I mean, the app used to look like a Christmas tree because we had like red for bad, <laughs> green, red, or, sure. red, yellow, orange, um, green, and blue. Blue was like diamond. Yeah. You yeah. know. Anyway, so we've we've, we've done several variations of this to kind of give a sense of quality. We've now just boiled it down to thumbs up or stars. Yeah. Now I know this is kind of like a passion project. So, like, do you do you feel like there's just this great divide of like things that you would love to be able to introduce into Dim, but just like a, a severe lack of time? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're we're getting close. We've done a lot of them, technical stuff. Like, yeah, 
you know, before we used to have this manual effort of getting the manifest and downloading all the images and packaging it up and putting, you know, I was producing a Chrome extension in the beginning. Mm -hmm. This is how we were distributing the app way, 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 way back when. It used to be a Chrome only experience. And now we have a SQLite client running in the browser that downloads oh, wow. SQLite. Well, now that, you know, it's, it's, it was modified, but it was a SQLite client downloading SQLite databases and then packing it in memory and then scraping it out and putting <laughs> it inside isolated storage. You know, and then we could use that on, you know, whenever you restart the app, we wouldn't do it again. So, we, you know, we found ways of automating the pain points of, you know, making the app work. Um, since then, Bungie's now providing JSON files, which has made everything so much better. Sure. Um, we tried to do voice activation in, a long time ago. You know, uh, hey, Dim, you know, equip my, you know, whisper. Oh, wow. You know, and we had, <laughs> uh, we had an Alexa skill for a while working. But, I mean, there's just a lot of friction in terms of voice and, you know, some of these exotic names that are applied to weapons and, uh, you know, that just didn't pan out. I mean, it was really, I mean, it would have been so good because Bungie made this little ghost Alexa uh, speaker. Yeah. And, you know, it was just right. But it's people power, you know, bandwidth. I'm, I'm, I had to beg yeah. for volunteers. and That's a pretty tough skill set to get for free, you know. So, uh, but yeah, things in the future that I'm looking forward to, um, I can't say. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of curious, you know, at, at, you're working day in and day out on this, uh, the, this Bungie API and you've, you've found ways to like kind of extend it to, to add functionality that is, is important to the people who are consuming it. Mm -hmm. Um, are there things that you wish existed in the Bungie API that you could take advantage of that are just. It, like you can't do from the outside it's it's i want to be able to delete items and that's not something that people <laughs> want really and because that's that's dangerous territory because then you're responsible right for sure. the destruction of someone's like right now when people people will tell us from time to time you deleted my favorite thing you deleted this thing i got and usually what happens is there's a caching miss on the bungee server and you're not seeing that data it happens, you know, and sometimes, so if you move a piece of gear, the cache is busted from the game server. Sure. And it's, then it's available on the API. Like those things happen. Yeah. Or it's on a, it's in the vault or on a different character and you just have to go and search for it and you'll find it. You know, so those things happen. But if we allow deletes, you know, because right now what happens is a lot of people move stuff to their current character and then they sign in and then just mass delete. Yeah. To, to yep. just get rid of all those blues, you know, get rid of all the, <laughs> the, the stuff that you don't want. I would like the ability to delete. And it's something I think we could take responsibly. Um, but it, you know, that's a big step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, to have that life cycle on your hands. But yeah. that would be a great place to get to because then you can really curate your platform and, you know, I could put it in a promise and give you a five second undo, which is <laughs> sure, more than what the game does, man. You press that button right. in the game, it's like, yeah, delete, gone. Yeah. yeah, you got like three seconds to change your mind yeah. after uh, holding that oh, button down. At one point, a long time ago, there used to be a bug that if you were if you were pressing the delete operation and it started the, the, the three second, you know, and then dim moved something. Oh, gosh. Whatever was under the reticle. It's just done. Was deleted. So if you'd move something while you were in the process of deleting, you would delete the thing that slid under it. Oh. And that was another source of, hey, Dim deleted my thing. Yeah, yeah. No, you were doing an operation while you were doing a deletion. You shouldn't sure. do that. 
Yeah, that's something one thing that we, at a time. We tell people all the time, one thing at a time. Just if you're doing a loadout, you're doing a mass transfer, don't be trying to delete stuff in the game. That's just trouble. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I want to hear a little bit more about the the way that you are helping people contribute by um, collecting money through Open Collective and giving them an opportunity to basically add features and whatnot and kind of make a little bit of money on on doing that. Um, and I, I guess also just kind of like numbers. I know that you've you've shared them with me. They're open on Open Collective. Kind of like what it looks like to have a you know project that this is this successful. Like what the kind of like monetary status of things are. And sure. Um, because I think a lot of people think that one day they might be able to like make it with open source and like never have to to work again. But that's not the case. All of all of you maintainers and um, c contributors have have jobs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about that part of the story. Well, uh, we you know it has we have grown uh, in terms of our our contributions that we see. We currently are are earning around seventeen thousand a year. Which sounds cool. nice for a hobby project, you know. Not many sure. hobby projects make money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but it is it is pennies on the dollar yeah. in terms of developer time, and you know, just what it costs to have a programmer, regardless of the market that you're in in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, not an expensive market, and programmers <laughs> are still expensive. You know, these are, you know, and we're not talking about Silicon Valley programmers and, you know, it still costs a good bit of money. And so, yeah, you know, our current yearly revenue is about one to maybe, maybe two months of a full-time developer, you know, not that much. So, so the primary motivator for a lot of people contributing is just an interest in the project, interest in what you're doing, wanting to be part of kind of this this intersection of both like you know gaming and yeah. web development communities yeah, yeah i mean they, they want to make a they want to make a difference in the uh, the lives of millions of players yeah you know and this is one of the few places you can do that i mean just let, you know for myself right it's 2015 i was 36 and thinking I really want to do something one day that's big, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that yeah. makes a difference, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, this dim thing happened and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go all in. And I'm like working until 2 a.m. trying to like maintain this thing and grow it. And it's all just, I mean, we were making maybe 3000 a year at that point, you know, it was just like, hey, you know, nice dinner money. Let's go out to eat yeah. this month, right? Um, and that was between like me and Neutral, and now we have many more people contributing. And so, uh, one year we took all the money and we flew everybody to Seattle for a trip. And so I flew them and their spouses. We stayed at a hotel. We went for a day hike. We got to tour Bungie, you know. So we oh, created wow. a great awesome. experience, which yeah. is invaluable of itself, right? Where we all got to meet finally after working together for so long, you know, and have that kind of really cool moment where it's like i re i know everything about you but i've never <laughs> shook your hand yeah like yeah yeah so that was a really fun moment if you ever read ready player one it has like a, a moment in the book like that this last cycle because of the pandemic you know we couldn't go anywhere so everyone just essentially got payouts mm. you know so everybody that was a contributor or up you know we paid out a grand all of our translators oh, wow. got 250 
you know, which is awesome. great. You know, yeah, you know, mid, it was it was nothing to do in the pandemic but buy stuff on Amazon and hang out at the house, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, take this. <laughs> totally. You know, go and you take know, it. Have a good time and you know survive the pandemic. Yeah, you know, so we did that. It's like a, just a one time. Let's liquidate the money and you know we still we have a cash we have a reserve for maintaining the servers mm-hmm. uh, and you know if we if, if once conventions start we hold a reserve for sending somebody to the cons to represent dim oh cool um we we, we make t-shirts and patches and some little stuff just kind of you know things like um you know like this little pin here that's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool and this is really neat i like these a lot i'm not I'm not marketing them on the, <laughs> your podcast but you know like we, we're so You're proud of the thing that <laughs> yeah. we did, so we made this little patch, like a little iron on. Oh, amazing! You know, and that's really cool. Like, I'm a big aerospace geek, and you know, yeah, it's, I grew up around the space shuttle as a kid, um, and you know, patches were always you know just seeing the crew together who were accomplishing things. Totally. And so I wanted to make something that kind of respected the crew that was building DIM. Yeah. And like patches were like the thing that came to mind, you know, like wouldn't this be really neat? And so, yeah. you know, that just just trying to figure out ways of thanking people that aren't just monetary is, is always like percolating. Like, how can I make somebody proud and, and to kind of share that that thanks I have for them for helping making this thing what it's become, you know? Yeah. Because it's not, you know, I may do a lot of the talking, but it's, you know, the contributions of many have created them um, and made it become what it is today. Yeah. I, you know, I, you can see how that really like kind of that value extends because, you know, even when we fired up this chat, like it was like a ton of people just like came in to be like, Oh my gosh, like goose, you're amazing. Like I love, I love dim, like dim's amazing. And um, I, I love that community atmosphere. I think that's something that I've always like struggled with trying to like figure out, but it's very clear that this was a vision of yours, like from the very beginning to try to find like-minded people, connect them to users and just make something that make a space where a lot of people with these two kind of common interests were able to um, kind of enjoy a a very vibrant community. Yeah. It's a, it's a vehicle for you to make your own action. Mm. You know, you want to shine, come on. Build this thing. Let's shine. You know what I mean? Let's be beautiful. Let's make something amazing. Um, you know, and I, I love to promote folks who are doing the work. You know, and, and yeah, you know, there are tremendous plus ones to this. You know, like we make something. You know, and we share it with other developers, and we network with each other. I mean, there's been you know, there's there's folks that are solo projects, the solo developers on these projects. You know, the the the, the mm-hmm. developer behind Braytech. Um, the low, the the lowly dev um, maps. Just give me some shout outs to names here. The the Redix the Redix crew for their their Crucible app. Um, oh, so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, there's 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 many many people that that come together. Oh, uh, uh, Vlad, Vlad, um, he makes a, a, an app called Trials Report, which is huge. People love oh, this app because yeah. it's a competitive advantage to see who your teams yeah. that you're fighting against. You know. And, and, and uh, one more, Guardian Theater. If you ever want to see something super cool with the API, like check out Guardian Theater. He did a thing where he looked at your recent games and then looked at the players. And then Bungie has their Twitch API um, in their, on the profile. He can, he can link Twitch clips to your game. Oh, wow. 
and then show you uh, <laughs> where streamers have clipped. You know, what, no way. You can see him like with someone's like, you know, they get killed and they, they, they clip it to make sure you're not cheating. <laughs> but it's like so satisfying to see those moments where they're, like, they're just like, oh, you know. And then there's other, you know, so it's, 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 it's a really interesting service. I think that one to me is like really high in terms of the innovation is being able to marry all the streaming platforms with the clips and the Xbox clips. And I think YouTube, he does that now. Um, with your with your crucible experience that's 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 super cool um, yeah and so like i said that's we build things we share it with them and enable them they like they read our source code um you know and, and we're mit like I, I don't care what you do with it this is not something we're monetizing you know it, we, we dim you know kind of going way back to being dim is open source because we want to make cool things we want to bring people together to bring build cool yeah. things but we also want to enable people who want to make their thing you know mm-hmm. We figured a lot of stuff out in the beginning. You know, we figured out how to work with the API when there was no documentation. We figured out how to uh, authenticate, you know, before Bungie gave us OAuth. And we were scraping cookies <laughs> and doing all yep. the wrong things. Uh, but, you know, but you were making it work. You were making it work and you were helping people. <laughs> why is Dem requesting my browser history? Uh, I, just, I just need one thing. I promise. <laughs> No, I feel like you're really at the forefront of 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 like kind of like gaming and kind of like gaming ergonomics and web development and streaming. Like you're in this space that is really this intersection that's really coming up yeah. right now. And I always like to ask people like as we as we close out the episode, like what you're excited about for like the next short term, yeah. like year to three years, and. I think there's so much happening in like, you know, in, in streaming and gaming and, and, and code. And like you said that the, uh, was it guardian theater where it's kind of actually querying all of these like different platforms and being able to like connect that mm-hmm. back to you. Um, what are some of the things that you think are just going to shine over the next, you know, year to three years, um, spaces that are going to be like that w- we should be keeping an eye out for. Kind of looping back a little bit, talking about the, what you take away from working an open source project. <clears throat> um, I got recognized by the developers at Gearbox who were working on Borderlands because of the work I did on DIM. And I got brought on to a project. They were building a Twitch extension that interfaced with the game to allow streamers to have these experiences with viewers and vice versa um, that, that had these tangible effects uh, within the game world. Um, and I think that's a big place to really be investing is bringing together that, that the viewer experience and the streamer experience and creating this, this, this uh, new ways of interaction. Um, I kind of see it as streamer versus viewer in some ways where you can create these kind of moments of back and forth battling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the example we have in, in, in Borderlands was, um, the Twitch extension allowed uh, people to empower a, a particular enemy that they were battling with and, and level it up and strengthen it and really challenge the streamer <laughs> to, uh, yeah, to fight yeah. that experience. And I thought that was great. And I really enjoyed working on that project. Uh, and uh, I just, I want to see more of that, you know, deep integration uh, in the game to, to, to just let people have new experiences that are 
that are kind of outside of that. Like, what can I do when I'm not in front of the couch? Yeah. To, to, to change that, you know, can I earn loot while I'm not playing the game in some way? Like, I used to build ARGs. Are you familiar? No. Here. No, no, no. Augmented reality games, ARGs. Okay. Yeah. These, yeah. these were um, narrative constructs that were very popular in the early, mid 2000s, um, where you could oh, receive a phone call from a game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would, you know, <laughs> voice, either voice would pick it up or there'd be buttons to press. But, you know, it, it all comes down to like story by story by number, you know, those old yeah, books, yeah, yeah. you know. It was, yeah. it was like those experiences. You can create these narrative experiences outside of the game that can bring you closer to the game, you know, and kind of bring the, the, the those who are looking for something more, you know, that, 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 that want their, their entertainment property to kind of bring them deeper into that world. Um, I really enjoyed making those. And I think that the, the Twitch extensions and similar platforms that are bringing uh, the viewers... Uh, and streamers closer to the game are, are, are delivering that. And I think that, you know, it's a lot cheaper than ARGs were. ARGs got really expensive. <laughs> Just the scale and infrastructure and trying to run all that stuff, it was it was pretty nuts. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to, it seems like your whole value for creating the Destiny Item Manager community is, is participation, yeah. right? And it seems like a lot of the kind of the future of, of gaming and streaming and whatnot, and it as you, as far as you've described it, is a lot more participation. Like whether you're, you know, buffing the enemy or you're kind of like collecting some of the loot that gets, uh, you know, found or discovered as like the streamers playing. Um, that there's going to be a lot more opportunities for us to not just watch or kind of like take part in chat while it's happening, but to actually like be a part of the thing as yeah. it unfolds. Yeah, I mean that's. I think the, the the best way to kind of have, I mean, you know, when you're watching a streamer and it's like being on the, you know, calling a radio back in the, the 80s and 90s and having them say your name, you know what I mean? Like those, that, that really exciting yeah. moment when you heard your name on the radio, you know, and you're just totally. you're like, you want that. You want a piece of that, that, that feeling, you know, and this is like one way to kind of do it that is um, easy on a single person, the streamer, to manage, right? So that the game, yeah. the extension is facilitating some of these great moments for viewers. I mean, I, I really think that... Uh, that 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 dopamine smash of you know having that really great that experience is really what people are chasing. I'd like to be able to provide that. Totally, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons you know streaming has like you know come up so much is that that you know unlike you know videos and and you know they're like pre-recorded you know just being able to like see your see yourself on screen for a second is is pretty rad. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's there's even new experiences to think about. Like, um, there's microcurrencies on Twitch called Bits, uh -huh. and through Bits you can actually purchase you know uh, things, right? You can create extensions yeah. that allow Bits transactions to occur, and so it's it's definitely a revenue stream that you can consider for streamers. You know, so the things that we build as developers can sustain a channel. Yeah, yeah. You know, it allows chat to, to, to do something that, that helps their favorite channels prosper. Um, and then we can also terrorize the streamer by spawning <laughs> mobs, you know. I'd sure. pay a dollar to do that, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like at, um, you know, certain theme parks. I don't know if they do this anymore, but I remember some of the water rides. Uh -huh. You could, you know, if you were just watching people, you could, like, go in and there was a machine where you could, like, push a button or, like, throw a quarter in. And it would, like, just shoot 
like water out of a volcano, like right as someone's like going under it. And like, there's something fun about being able to participate in that way. And like, like you said, like terrorize the person who's oh, yeah. in the experience. Trolling someone is fun. If it's, it's lighthearted and fun, you know, like dropping a grenade on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just see how good they actually are. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been super fun. Thank you so much for telling me about your experience, um, just, you know, building DIM, building the community around that and kind of your vision for uh, community uh, in, in both realms, both gaming and software. Um, it's kind of our the end of our time today, but is there anything that you want to like, you know, pitch or let people know about um, so that they could get involved in kind of either side of this um, community you're building? Yeah, definitely. We have a Discord. Um... You can find us, Destiny Item Manager. Uh, the link is in our Twitter bio. Okay. That's a great place to join us. We have a developer channel, support channel, a general channel, so we can all chat with other folks, learn how to use DIM to its greatest ability. Um, we can do a lot for you. Some of it is pretty accessible. Others takes a little skill. You'll have to build it up. <laughs> um, we crave new developers all the time. Um, definitely people that are interested in, you know, growing their skill set, wanting to network with other developers, which I think is for me the best part of all of this is just networking yeah. and it, not even the hardcore skills. I mean, just, just meeting people, learning from their experiences. You can't get that out of, you know, just watching YouTube videos about technology. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you need to share the war stories. Um, I think that's super important. And it's been the best thing that I've taken away from this entire experience is the networking. Yeah. So, you know, come join us on Discord, have the conversation, and then eventually get you into our GitHub where you can see the source code. We got a bunch of uh, first good issues labeled. Awesome. So take a stab, see what you can do, help <laughs> us out. They're pretty simple, you know, but if you have any questions, always feel free to ask. Um, start there and let's see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, if you, um, I can't recommend enough. If you, uh, you know, are into React, as I imagine most of the audience listening to this show is, um, and want to get dive into a, you know, a, an a open source product with like huge ramifications, um, you know, using React, TypeScript, all the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're really this is a good place to like dive in and um, a really great warm community to uh, to 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 start your open source journey with. Awesome. Well, we'll link all that stuff in the description. I'll probably have to get a picture from you for anyone who's listening to this via audio on the, those patches because they were like, super cool. I'd love to be able to include those in the show notes. Um, but yeah, hey, thanks so much for being here, Rick. I appreciate your time. Thank you for hosting. I, it was a great place. Appreciate it. You've been listening to episode 113 of React Podcast with Chantastic and guest Rick Casey. For show notes, visit reactpodcast.com slash 113. A transcript for this episode was sponsored by Kent C. Dodds. Thanks, Kent. We'll let you know on Twitter when it goes live. Would you like a free, full-access ticket to React Summit next week? Make a media snippet of your favorite section of today's show. Post it on Twitter and tag us at React Podcast. We'll pick one of you at random on October 9th and give you a free, full-access ticket to React Summit on October 15th and 16th. React Summit is the biggest React conference worldwide. So big, in fact, that cyberspace was the only place that could hold everyone. It's two days, two tracks, with 30 speakers and an estimated 25,000 attendees. Some of my favorite guests from React Podcast are speaking this year, including Paris Athena, Max Stoiber, Sarah Vieira, Kenzie Dodds, Jen Luker, Tomasz Wakomi, Michelle Estrada, and Nader Dabit. 
Check it out at reactsummit.com. Thanks to our sponsors, AWS Amplify and Infinite Red. AWS Amplify is the fastest, easiest way to develop web and mobile apps that scale. Learn how to get your React app into the AWS cloud with hosting, authentication, storage, managed GraphQL or REST APIs, serverless functions, and more at awsamplify.info slash react. That's awsamplify.info slash react. Infinite Red have been designing, building, and shipping quality apps for 10 years and make their expertise and industry connections available to you. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help from the fabulous folks at Infinite Red. Visit reactpodcast.infinite.red. That's reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. 